Hi, I'm Tara G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tara G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal women and those of you who love them. Mothers, daughters, grand and great-grandmothers, fearsome and generous, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. You know you come here, we dig deep and we come up strong. For those of you joining us for the first time, each month we explore a new theme inspired by you. Yes, I said you. We bravely walk into places where tradition has taught us there are some things that you just don't talk about, but not at this table. And no matter how hard judgment knocks at the door, it can't come in. Beloved, here we live beyond the wreckage. Every week we experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other. We share aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Every week, we start where we are. I am so excited about how the show is progressing. We are celebrating the fourth month of proof that dreams can come true. Frankly speaking with Tyra G is one of my most precious dreams. I thank God for every remembrance of you and your gifts of ideas, your presence, your encouragement. They're the gifts that inspire. You know I can't do this show without you. Thank you so much. Our theme this month is the gift is in the giving. We are shifting our paradigm from thinking of gifts we receive wrapped in beautiful shiny paper with ribbons and bows and sparkling gift bags or gift cards, or cars and bikes and everything nice we might have asked for. This month we are focusing on the gifts that live within us. Each of us are born with gifts. Did you know we came here with unlimited dreams and possibilities to be discovered and nurtured and given away? Each month I like to share some of the words that my favorite authors wrote about our theme. So about giving, Winston Churchill said, We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Cahil Gibran, the prophet, wrote, You give a little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly give. And I love this one. Frances Burnett in the book, A Little Princess, writes, If nature has made you as a giver, Your hands are born open, and so is your heart. And though there may be times when your hands are empty, your heart is always full. And you can give things out of that, warm things, kind things, sweet things, help and comfort and laughter. And sometimes gay, kind laughter is the best help of all. You can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. Our third show in the series, The Gift is in the Giving, is about the greatest service one can offer, that is to give the best of who you are. Now this happens as a process, it's not an event, you don't suddenly become all that you were meant to be. There are steps that go back and forth and up and down. There's sometimes when you need to see someone else do something that resonates with you and you say yes! That's what I want to do. And off you go. Today we have that kind of story. One you'll want to hear behind the words. Ultimately, it's a story about love. 
You are listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, computer, or mobile device. And we are webcast worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org. Every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, should you miss us, no worries. You can catch us on our podcast on YouTube at Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. And if you feel like connecting with me offline, and you know I'd love it, right? That's easy. Just email me at Tyra at TyraGarlington.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme. And for naming it, I'm Listening. I turn to our author and life coach, Iana Bonsant, to create our common thought space while we're here today. It was published in 2000 in her book, Until Today. She begins with these questions. Do you go the extra mile? Do you do more than what is expected of you? Do you expect the best? These questions pertain not only to your relationship with the world, but also how you treat yourself. Do you go the extra mile when it comes to you? Or do you think that the least is enough for you? You know, there are people who believe that struggle, servitude, and sacrifice are the best they can hope for in their life. They look for ways and reasons to be okay with the things they believe that they're not okay in their lives. Other people believe they must always be on the giving end. You anybody like that? There are people who also give until it hurts. The fact is, they may not know how to receive. I think there might have been a season in my life where I wore that. There are people who have not learned how to go the extra mile in exploring what may be possible in their lives. Now, going the extra mile means taking what you have and looking for ways to expand it. Believe in your ability to make it happen. Going the extra mile means doing just a little more than expected. Being just a little more than expected. Having just a little more than even you expected. It means moving beyond limiting beliefs, restrictive behaviors, and being willing to have more than you have right now. Going the extra mile does not mean that you have prideful ambitions. It means that you want to feel better about yourself. You want to know that you can surpass your own expectations. You want to push your mind to the limits. It can be quite rewarding. Until today, you may have been doing just enough to keep yourself alive and going. You may have been expecting just enough to keep yourself from being unhappy. So, for today, go the extra mile. Stretch your mind. Expand your vision. Elevate your expectations as far as you can imagine. It's possible for you. Today, devote allowing yourself to explore the best of all possibilities of yourself. After a break, we'll meet someone who has explored the best of all possibilities in herself and put those into action by continuing a giving legacy. Stay close now. 
Do you like to hear interesting, refreshing new music from up-and-coming singer-songwriters? Do you like to hear new and rarely heard hits from your favorite classic rock artists who've been making music for years? Are you fed up with commercial FM radio that just won't give you any of that? Then tune in Sundays at 10 a.m. to Eclectic Hours where you can hear all that and more. That's Eclectic Hours, Sundays, 10 to noon, here on Radio Fairfax. Don't be a fool on the hill, sitting around looking through a glass onion and listening to the Oblah de Oblah de of Ordinary Radio. Just let it be. And make Fridays a good day in the life. Take the long and winding road and come together to listen to the Magical History Tour. I'm Rusty Gibson and I promise to act naturally. Join me on the Magical History Tour. A splendid time is guaranteed for all. Rusty Gibson's Magical History Tour, every Friday afternoon at 5. Tune in every Tuesday at noon for Music to My Ears, a show that looks for the cross-influences and common ground among songs, artists, and music styles. The playlists are an eclectic mix of jazz, soul, and funk, rap, rock, and electronica because if every song is influenced by the last, then all music has a little soul. So join me, St. C., Tuesday at noon for Music to My Ears on Radio Fairfax. I'm four years old, and I'm the only one in my whole class that can tie his own shoes. My mom took me to the circus for my birthday. Half my friends already went, but now I've gone too. Most kids make fun of me because I still believe in the tooth fairy. But I got five bucks yesterday, I believe. A third of the kids in my eighth grade class drink alcohol regularly. Over 99% of my class has been offered illegal drugs. Half of my college classmates binge drink, abuse drugs, or do both. But the frequent dinners I had with my family have helped make sure I'm not one of them. Go to CasaFamilyDay.org, take the Family Day Pledge, and get tips on how to talk to your kids about drugs and alcohol. Have dinner with them often, and you can significantly lower their risk of substance abuse. Dinner makes a difference. A message from the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University. Gaining weight was easy. All I had to do was sit down and eat. Losing weight, well, that's a lot harder. I have to work at it every day. But with every step, I lower my risk for type 2 diabetes and heart disease. And that makes every step, every choice, every day... Morning, Dad! Very much worth the effort. Morning, sweetie. I'll be done soon. Learn how you can help stop diabetes by losing weight, eating healthy, and staying active. Visit CheckupAmerica.org or call 1-800-DIABETES. A message from the American Diabetes Association. And we are back. And I have a gift to unwrap with you right here in the studio. I want you to meet Ms. Sandra Gregory, who is, in her own words, in her own thoughts, going to share who she is, a little bit about her journey. And I think there's some surprises in there for you. So listen carefully. Thanks, Sandra, for coming and sharing your time with us. And thank you, Tyra, for this wonderful gift of time and sharing. Yes, I'm Sandra Gregory, and 
I really am a country kid from Wisconsin. And having just returned from there on a visit, we really did live 10 miles out in the country, about six miles to the closest little town of a couple hundred people. What opened the doors as a, the oldest of four daughters was coming from parents who had a great work ethic. They taught us a lot about love, mm. a lot about sharing, mm -hmm. and appreciating some real simple things. But along with that, we were not encouraged to go to college. Hmm. College was something for those other people, and there was no money for it. Both of my parents worked hourly wage jobs. They had finished high school but did not go on to tech school or college. And so I got the word, Sandra, why would you want to go to college? You're just going to get married and have kids. Mm. So I ended up going to the University of Wisconsin-Superior on my own dime. Good for you. I didn't know about scholarships. I had a local small scholarship, but I'd finished top of my class. There were only 90 of us in the class, but it was an honor to finish that way. And again, it goes back to the hard work ethic that right. my parents gave us. Yeah. And had a lot of responsibility, so I learned a lot about leadership, both in school and at home, and the sense of responsibility. So when I trucked off to college and packed everything I had in a 64 Ford Falcon, <laughs> and I rolled down the road for about five hours of driving. Sometimes you could see the bottom of the road through the right-hand side where all the rust was in the car. Oh, I know what that's like, yeah. And there were times we came home in snowstorms, <laughs> and when one windshield wiper stopped, then you kind of scooted over in the middle of the seat, and you drove the rest of the way with where you could see. But anyway, I finished college in three years, and the Air Force came along after my first year, and I went to the... ROTC program and I went to see just what it was all about uh -huh. and I remember telling this one captain who was recruiting I said don't waste your breath on me I'm not interested in the military <laughs> he was at my retirement when I retired as a one-star general say it again <laughs> say it again say it again yes I was very fortunate through great teams great bosses great support great education and great opportunities. But how many women who enlist can say, when I retired as a one-star general? It's a very small percentage, less than like uh, half of 1% there of the go. officers who go through either the academy uh -huh. or ROTC or officer's training school, the three ways you can become an officer, get the opportunity to, to finish as a general, and I was a one-star general. May so I say congratulations? Thank you very much. And thank you for your service? You are welcome. It was an honor to wear the cloth of the nation for 29 years. Wow. So it started as a fluke and wasn't interested in the military. Ended up, okay, I'll stay for four years. Mm -hmm. And I love the service. I love the people. I love the mission. Mm -hmm. And I love the travel. And I love the leadership challenges most of all mm. because it involved the people. Yeah. So a lot of selflessness, uh, selflessness, I want to emphasize, and going where we're told when, when they need us there. But it never felt like work because there was such a focus and such a mission. Yeah. So after 29 years, I decided to stay here in the Northern Virginia area so our sons could finish high school. Uh -huh. And they did, and my husband had a job. He was out of the Air Force by that time, and he served 30 years. So between the two of us, we served, yes, 59 years. Praise God. That's awesome. Yeah, and it was God's hand all along the way. Yeah. But I also want to share something, Tyra. 
okay. is as a working woman with a very busy career, and my last job in the Air Force, I was responsible for $60 billion. That's B, billion. B, yes. It was okay. about 60% of the U.S. Air Force budget. Mm. I was deputy director of budget. And it was teamwork beyond teamwork. And so we were there during the early years of deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes, yes, yes. It was, I got back to the Pentagon for the third time as uh, nine months after 9-11. So it was still and always will be a lingering sense of what happened that day. Right. And that's, again, what also kept us, kept me in the military. I did not come from a military family. My dad tried to become a Marine, enlisted in the Marines, and he was deaf in one ear. Okay. So he was not, but he was always rah-rah, wave the flag, this is our country, right or wrong, our country. So there was a great sense of patriotism throughout the family. And he always asked me when I was going to make sergeant. And so before he passed away at an early age, he just was waiting for me to go from uh, captain to sergeant, and that wasn't going to happen. So uh, in his mind, so it didn't matter. It just, he was proud wherever I served, and they came to visit us, the family did. And so that was always a lot of fun to teach them about what we did. Absolutely. You created your own tradition, mm -hmm. and you now, and your husband. Yeah. Now we have shared the opportunities and the ability to serve and give back. Uh -huh. uh, have a niece and a nephew in the service. Have uh, actually two nephews and a niece. And when I retired, I passed the flag to them. Oh. Okay. And I said, my replacements are here. Awesome. Awesome. Story. And one just made major, and her twin just made. Uh, master sergeant and my other nephew is a second lieutenant in the army and another cousin's daughter is in pilot training right now and we're very proud of oh, her. Oh I love that Be and what yeah I want I'm I'm hoping that the young people since this is an intergenerational story as well as show are hearing and being encouraged you can be your own miracle. Absolutely yes. and that's why I wake up every morning and give joy to God and yeah. praise to God because the doors opened up and the military was just one way. Yeah. Yeah. And so also I had the wonderful joy of having a roommate at a pilot training base and she was one of, she was the second woman to go through pilot training when they opened up pilot training to women in the late 70s early 80s. What was that like for her? Just give us a little inkling cuz that's a long time ago comparatively. And now you're talking about your niece. My, right? my cousins. My cousins. Okay. And so, yes, there's been a whole lot now. Many more women in pilot yeah. training. The doors are open. There's much more camaraderie. Yeah. And acceptance. That's the key thing. Was that hard acceptance. for your roommate initially? Yes, yes because they, there wasn't the acceptance of women to fly airplanes. And so it was twice as hard. There were a lot of barriers. There were a yeah. lot of bad remarks made. There were lots of... And even some, you know, physical things that, that yeah. was really tough. So she definitely was that snowplow going through and making it easier for, like, my cousin's daughter who's there now. And right. I, I applaud her and I appreciate what she's And, you done. know, I the kind of person I've come to know in you is telling those stories. And that's what I think legacy often is, is our stories. Mm -hmm. The young people need to know the journey that we took in order for them to be who they are, to have access. Uh, briefly, I was at a conference earlier, late last month, and I met so many dynamic women in their 30s and 40s that are soaring, 
They are investing. They are doing A, B, C, D, and E. And I, I was in a small group, and I said, you know, 40 years ago, that wasn't open to me. I am so proud of you that you're taking that step. And that's one of the reasons I, this show is so important to me. The audience needs to hear. There's hope. Doors are open. Take the risk. You know? So I congratulate what you're doing with your family. You're creating a tradition. Well, I, that was the intended purpose. And the other thing is to piggyback on what you just said, Tyra, is that we own our story. Yes, we do. We own it. Yes, we do. And if do. you don't, then you need to take the steps. Yes. And search deep inside. And also look upward. Mm -hmm. And own the story. You know, w when we say that, what I've discovered when I've been mentoring, uh, I don't know how I wound up mentoring millennials. Here I am at the end of my toilet paper roll. But it's, <laughs> Never. It, it's been a wonderful experience. And what I have learned to do is to tell them things that the mirror won't tell them, to help them understand they're worthy, and that inside of them is everything they need to live the life they were created to live. And they have to say yes to that power. It's not going to jump out and say, here I am. They have to say, yes, I am. They have to claim it, like you said. So um, this, is our, um, this is our commercial for all you young, young ladies. Uh, write your story. Write it bravely and believe because you can and you are. I'm finished now. Um, I'm sorry, Sandra, I interrupted. No, that's okay. You know what, Tyra? I was mentally picturing as you're describing this is exactly how I feel about what I have done, am doing, and will continue to do. Mm -hmm. Is that if someone gave you a gift, uh -huh. it was beautifully wrapped, it had a beautiful bow on it, and it sparkled. And it was just the right size, but you did not know what was in it. Uh -huh. It doesn't do any good unless you open it That's up. That's right. That's You've right. Open it up. And so through many blessings, and the Air Force was one of them, and to have a wonderful supportive husband, to have so many wonderful um, girlfriends who are my personal board of directors. I have great sisters. I have wonderful family members and cousins. It all, and wonderful bosses and mentors. It's just, yes, they helped me unwrap yeah. the gifts. Yeah. And, and I had to do it. I had to take, I had to break open the first ones. Yes. I had to break open the scotch tape. You got it. You got it. And then it wasn't like Pandora's box. It was like, I always see it as the clouds opening and the sun coming through. And I, I feel the warmth and I just feel, that's it. I heard this the other day. I was talking to a friend and I was talking about my dreams and she said something that made me pivot. She says, Tyra, your dreams are from yourself. Your calling is from your soul. And right now you're talking about your calling. Mm -hmm. And you're walking in it. And that's why it feels different than it ever has before. So um, I don't know what we're talking about now, Sandra, but your career, my dreams, what we want young people to think and believe. And, you know, I say young people, but my cohorts, your, co your cohorts, all women, need to go to the University of I Can. Oh, yes, the University of I Can. Yes, yes, yes. 
I can, I can see graduation day. People doing all kinds of things we never even thought about doing. Okay, Miss Miss uh, General, go ahead now. I have interrupted our thoughts. No, no interruption at all. Those are gifts to be thinking about all the universities of I can. Yes. At uh, you know when I when I finished the Air Force and like I said had more and more responsibility along the way, but it goes back to all the difference it made with the very first assignment and realizing that people, I was in a, I, I came from a very all-white community of 1,146 people oh, wow. when I went to school. Uh -huh. So I was stationed on the border between Mexico and, and, and Texas, the United States, and a lot of Hispanic people. Mm -hmm. And again, it made me realize for the probably the first time is that we're all the same inside. Yeah. Yeah. And we had different spins on food, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> we all concerned about our family, about the strength of our nation. Yeah. And just fell in love with the place. And this was not a glamorous place, a border town in, in Texas called Del Rio. It was not yeah, a glamorous place that people would just clamor to get to. But it was exciting for me. And we had a, a lake, did a lot of lake fun things, you know, water skiing, sailing. Mm -hmm. And so we played hard and we worked hard. And I had 50 people to supervise. Wow. I was 20 years old when I came out of college because I didn't have any money. So I finished in three years and worked. I love it. No money, so you've got to finish early. Yeah, no. <laughs> As and opposed to six and seven years to get your, yeah, I got it. So I wanted to minimize how much money I took out as a loan. I had a two of my three years were finished by the Air Force. And I worked, you know, everything from cafeteria to selling sewing machines and vacuum cleaners. So All right. I sold suckers and sewing machines. <laughs> and uh, that was some of the best preparation for life. Yes, yes. Because you listened to people. You had to build relationships every time you made a sale. Yes. That's right. And everyone should have sales and everyone should go be working in a food service industry and then you learn humility and what it's like to get your head bit off or what it's like to get a good tip because you did something well yeah. so rewards but at some time I want to tell you about Sylvia's lights I want you and you know what I think I'm going to do because I don't want to interrupt that conversation I'm going to do a second brief break okay and then we will tell the story all right because okay. that's the encore what's going on now you got it here we go This is Radio Fairfax, free-form programming created by the people for the people of Fairfax County, Virginia. Call us or email us, 703-560-TALK or radiofairfax at fcac.org. This is Herb Archie inviting you to join me Tuesdays from 10 p.m. until midnight as host of Jazz Lighthouse, where you'll hear the very best of America's classical music, jazz, that's the Jazz Lighthouse, Tuesdays, 10 p.m. until midnight, here on Northern Virginia's one-of-a-kind radio station. Sign me to the moon. Let me swing among those stars. This is Mike Delaney, host of Simply Sinatra. Join me Wednesday evenings at 10 for a weekly meeting with the chairman of the board, a true American idol, Mr. Francis Albert Sinatra. 
That's Simply Sinatra, Wednesdays at 10, right here on Radio Fairfax. In other words, baby kiss. Baby kiss me. All right, and we are back, and we said the word Sylvia's Lights before we uh, took a break, and I think Sandra can't wait to tell you where that came from and what it means to her and what it means to us today. So you're on. Thanks, Tyra. I'm going to back up for just a minute. I talked a little bit about my Air Force career of 29 years, and Mm -hmm. then I did go to the private sector. Mm -hmm. I was vice president of a consulting company. And then the Department of Defense asked me to come back as a highly qualified expert, SES type, Mm -hmm. senior executive, to come back and do some special projects for the chief financial officer of the Department of Defense. And so I did that for four years and did some exciting, fun things that I knew I'd never have that opportunity again, Mm -hmm. like start the chief financial officer academy for the whole federal government, and then stood up a strategic human capital workforce management office. Wow. So there were 60,000 men and women doing Department of Defense financial management throughout the department, and we worked because it was the vision of the boss, and you always want to work your boss's agenda. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to make sure that we had a certification program. So that's what we did. We we mapped out the courses we had. We worked with congressional staffers who had wanted this program and got it passed into law so that now we have a a codified certification program. Now... Say I go through this, what does it mean once I'm through, once I'm certified? What does it say to me? What that means is it gives the taxpayers and the individuals and Congress, it it gives a certification that these people know what they're doing. Okay, all right. It's just like CPAs have to be certified, yes. doctors have to be certified, yes. lawyers. So this is like their, their bar association for certification. Okay, excellent. Thank you. So if you manage, like in our case, $60 billion, you better know what you're doing with it. So then, uh, then what did I do? I said, uh, after about four years in that job, and it was up and running, I said, I needed to take a break. Okay. Needed to help relaunch some, our sons. Needed to take care of my mother, who had stage three breast cancer. And I need to find what I was all about. Yeah, transition time. Transition time is mm-hmm. right. So I really did a lot of soul searching, did a lot of volunteer work. Worked in a homeless shelter. Did clothes, did laundry, laundering of clothes, uh, did a, led a, strate- a team for strategic study of a preschool where our oldest son, who's now 29, he went there when he was four, three and four years old, so that was a few years ago. Yes. And so also then worked 50th anniversary things for our church and, and took care of card tables and casseroles, as I said, you know, the fellowship things. Yes. But it helped me use a different side of my brain and to figure out that I really want to be an executive coach. So that's what I did is I went to Georgetown University and became a certified executive coach. I'd been coaching for, you know, decades before that, but I wanted, again, the certification. And then that led me to a little over a year ago. And I had been doing some coaching for a pastor at the Wesley Foundation at Texas Southern University, which is a HBCU. Mm-hmm. And tell people what that means that may be in Europe somewhere not knowing. Okay, that's a historical black college and university. Yes. It's in Houston, which, of course, just went through the big hurricane season and with Hurricane uh, Harvey. Mm-hmm. So, but I'd been, I'd been coaching him for a while, 
Little did I know when we first met, we were introduced on email, Mm -hmm. and his mother had been a friend of mine in the Air Force. He said, I'm an Air Force brat. That's the term when someone grew up in the military. It's a good term. And his name was only half of her hyphenated name, so uh, I didn't recognize it right away. And then we got talking, and he said he went to school here in Northern Virginia. His mother was in the Air Force. She was in financial management like me. And I went, oh, you're Sylvia's son. Yes. And I'd lost track of him. He was off at college uh-huh. when we were last stationed together. So about a year ago, I said, I want to help. I want to give back. And we created Sylvia's Lights. And Sylvia was his mother's name. And she unfortunately died about 10 years ago. Of colon cancer. Yeah. And I said to him, I can feel your mother's presence when I coach you. Mm. And your mother was, of course, a very calm, firm, quiet, fair, strong, loving leader. Wow. And so... I said, Let's, let me just put my thinking head on. I felt moved by the spirit. Mm-hmm. In, in, a, in an hour and a half or two hours, I put together a vision statement, which is to provide a loving home environment and teach life skills to college students during their, their school semester breaks. So we invented it in, in November of 2016. Mm-hmm. And within six weeks, we had the first two students we do two at a time to keep it very personal. Mm-hmm. And the vision of Sylvia's Lights is to provide radical hospitality to college students so they can relax, mm-hmm. reaffirm, and learn life skills. And I'm going to talk about those in just a minute. Okay. And then we introduce those life skills through coaching, teaching, networking, mm-hmm. mentoring, and examples and discussion. And finally, we want to plant the seeds of hope for future generations. And we're committed to growing that next generation of leaders one student at a time. So each cohort is only two people, and it's been wildly successful. And here's why. We're, we teach it either around our kitchen table mm-hmm. or around someone else's kitchen table or the living room area mm-hmm. or in their small offices and or over a restaurant discussion mm-hmm. in Old Town, for instance. And then we also do fun things here in the Washington, D.C. area. But the life skills, you're going to say, gee, what are we teaching them? Well, first of all, I'm not doing all the teaching. My husband's not, but we do some of it. But it's to have the experience of being together. But there are people who have our lawyers and communication specialists who were financial managers, who are leaders in all different walks, program managers, teachers, principals. But Some of them teach job interviewing practices, Mm -hmm. resume writing. We can all use that. Communications in the workplace, how important it is. Mm -hmm. Another area is networking with other professionals. Um, I like to do cooking. That's one of my passions. So we do a lot of cooking on a budget. Everything from we did cookies for last year during the Christmas holiday season to steam mussels with wonderful wine sauce. And, And by the way, yes, we make sure that they can have the wine. (laughs) <laughs> uh, they're old enough, and tomatoes and wonderful things and, that you can do uh, for less than $5 a serving. And I'll bet that they had never done. Right. See, this is, you were expanding their mind and their territory. I love that. And quiche, when they made quiche, oh, wow, they were so excited. We had two 
uh, pans of quiche, mm -hmm. and it was delicious. And I told them the secret because it's when you put flour mixed with the with the different kinds of cheeses, you can get beautiful, wonderful, perfect quiche every time. And I wish so the audience could see your face as you're describing this. <laughs> yes, I'm a foodie, I admit it. <laughs> but so were they. And so they made it. And, I, of course, I took one piece. I loved it. My husband loved it. But I noticed that they liked it so much they would, they would come down in the middle of the night and <laughs> eat more quiche they'd throw it in the microwave. It was wonderful. So they have given me feedback that when they go back to school, they're making quiche. Then we also then uh, table etiquette and conflict resolution. I bet that one's a good one. Yeah, both at, at home and in the workplace. Yes, yes. With their peers, I'm thinking, as well. Mm -hmm. Because these are, even though they're in college, they're still very young. Mm -hmm. And what's going on in the world today, they need to have those skills so that it's a win-win and not the, the uneven, the bullying, and all that other negative communication. And then we've had dinner parties. We have parties with other college students in the area before they go home. And then... Of course, throughout this, we weave in fun things in Washington. Mm -hmm. So whatever museums they want to go to, and of course a very popular one now is to go to the new African-American History Museum, which we spent two days in last time. They get a tour and lunch in the executive dining room in the Pentagon. Oh, that's wonderful. By one of Sylvia's classmates and friends. Oh. Who's now a senior executive for the the CFO of the Department of Defense, and he works very closely with the Secretary of Defense on appropriations issues. And then he also arranges that we get a private tour, the, the lights do, as we call them, the lights. Mm -hmm. The lights get a tour of the Capitol. We've also, you know, go to the Library of Congress and to the Supreme Court. So whatever they want to see, it's about what they want to do. Let me, let me ask you to paint a picture. Here are sophomores, juniors, and sen predominantly seniors, seniors yes. in college who haven't touched the things that you're talking about, haven't had access. Help us imagine what it was like, say, the first day they walked into the Pentagon or the Capitol. The expression on their face is they can't believe they're really there. Okay. And in the, the visitor center at the Pentagon, you know, there's a, a podium there and it says the Pentagon just like if they were on the broadcast live television news mm -hmm. so they have their pictures taken there and then of course we have to be escorted in and it just it's it the big escalators and the the big quilt that's hanging there from 9-11 with everyone's yeah, names yeah, on yeah. it uh -huh. and you're going there and you're going I can't believe this. I'm, I'm really here. And then we've been so fortunate, the last court, and we're hoping to also uh, have him join us this, this time. A PhD in history gave him a tour of the Pentagon, you know, a very historical tour. Oh, I'd, to, I'd love to do that. To, yeah, well, we'll have to work on that. We'll, yes. We'll include you in the next one uh, to see some very memorable things. And of course, we, we end the tour usually with the, the chapel, yes. the 9-11 chapel. Yes. And then we, after the Pentagon, then we also go to the 9-11 memorial, which is right next to it. Right. And I tell them, you know, just uh, they, to take it all in and look at all the wonderful exhibits that are on. Because I was in the Pentagon the first time, and I'm dating myself here, 1991, before any renovation was done. So I remember when the light bulbs were just hanging down from mm -hmm. from a thin wire and how many rats there were in the basement. And, and now there are nice displays, and it's a very nice building to work in. Mm -hmm. So we we appreciate that. 
but they're just in awe. And what's great, though, is they're sitting and having lunch. And uh, we've had also lunch with a, a woman who went to Tuskegee, and she was a White House social aide. She was a retired Army colonel, and then she was a political appointee. I love it. And so she also has told them their story, her story. And likewise, the, the gentleman now tells his story. So it's just beautiful that they realize that, again, going back to they own their story, and they're talking to people who, are, who have the same backgrounds as they do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they chose to unwrap the gifts. Yes. I, I'm thinking as well, when they went back to campus, you know the best story is a referral, right? I know what it must have been like to share with some of their friends when they receive. Is that a letter you have from one of them? Yes, this is from, they've all called themselves, whether they're light number one, two, three, four, and now in about two weeks we're going to have light five and six. So they've called themselves lights one. So this is from light one. Okay. And if I can just share here part of what she wrote to us. Okay. Remember to keep helping and being you so more lights and they can have more lights than they ever thought they could have. You are giving them the lights to have power, to shine and light others' lights, called Sylvia's Lights. It has changed my life, Mm -hmm. so please keep it going. There are more people who need this opportunity and ones similar to it. So your daughter, light number one, will always keep in touch. I love you like another mother. Forever and ever, you have a spot in my heart. Isn't that wonderful? And if I can just share from light number three, she just said that she was a student here at Texas Southern, majored in political science, and I was honored to be a part of the second cohort for the Soviet's Lights program. Mm -hmm. During my stay in Virginia and D.C., I knew I would be asked, how was your trip once I returned to Houston? I contemplated for some time as to what my response would be. When I returned, I found myself answering it by simply saying, quote, it was magical, Mm. unquote. Using the terms good, great, and fun to me just didn't exemplify how I felt. Mm -hmm. Magical means beautiful or delightful in such a way as to seem removed from everyday life. This program allowed me to step outside my everyday bubble and learn new skills on how to be a successful leader in today's century. One of those major skills I've taken on is to eat that frog. I learned that eating that frog means that I tackle my harder tasks before engaging in my frogs, in the easier ones. I've been practicing this for the past week now, and I must say that eating my frogs allows me to be more accomplished and on task. Being a part of this program allowed me to meet with CEOs and executives, the same CEOs and executives I thought were impossible to sit down and speak with. Many of them shared skills that helped them become successful and also did a great job assuring me that I had what it takes to be just as successful. After returning home, I began to see myself in a new light. I began to have more confidence in myself because I had witnessed people who came from nothing 
and made something out of themselves. Sylvia's lights did a great job of reminding me that anything is possible, and for that, I am truly grateful. Continue to allow your light to shine. And that was from light number three. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, when the last sentence, I guess it was, that you read there, I met an African prince from Kenya, and he told me that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. I have never forgotten that. And so often when I've been consulting and presenting and I'd have my customers, well, that's impossible, and I would say that to them. And they'd look at me like I'd lost my mind. I said, you know, it's not. Expand your mind. We can do this. And the young ladies are saying, thank you for helping us expand our minds and unwrap our unborn possibilities. How do you feel? I don't mean to sound trite, but I'm just overjoyed with being blessed. These women of Sylvia's Lights give me more gifts than we give back to them. And they won't understand that until they evolve to your place in time. And that's what we ask them is just always pay it forward. Yes. And also the bond of all of the people who are helping with this program, Mm -hmm. the people who are spending their precious time in sharing their experiences. You know, everyone from people who marched with Martin Luther King. Yes, yes, yes. In the 60s. To people who are now coaches after being successful lawyers. Mm -hmm. People who are in the communications business and have their own companies, people who are advising the Secretary of Defense on appropriations activities on Capitol Hill, and people who have been in the White House many times as a social aide and as a commander, Mm -hmm. and the list goes on and on. People who came from small rural areas of, of Georgia and are now leading the charge in the Department of Defense, for instance. And we also have people who are teaching the personal financial management, who one is the CFO of the Air Force Reserves, and her partner in teaching this is now a senior executive with with HUD. You know, um, what I'm hearing, no, what I'm feeling as you talk about Department of Defense is you're making it more human for me. Uh, We see it in numbers flashed across the TV screen. We see and hear about it in terms of our global relationships. But we don't see and hear and talk about like, hey, they're managing a budget just like I am around my kitchen table. And oh, by the way, uh, those are people inside that that hexagon. No, what is a hexagon? What is the Pentagon? Pentagon. Pentagon. There are people in there that are giving of themselves, maybe not being paid as much as they could be in private sector, but they believe in this country. And as you talk about the people that step up and help the lights see the inside of our government, one agency in our government, that it's amazing. And in this, they get to see many agencies. You know, we have people who are working with Department of Justice. Okay. People who are, like I said, had worked for other agencies and are now in the in the coaching business and executive coaching who I met at the Georgetown program, which is phenomenal for executive coaching. And so these people are willing to give back time. Which is the greatest gift because you can't get that back. 
And you know, one of the, I want to share with you, Tyra, one of the lights in the last cohort said, you're giving us cheat codes. And I didn't know what, what that a cheat code meant. Yeah. And so, of course, that's a way to win a game. And I said, yes, the people who are working with you in Sylvia's Lights mm-hmm. are those who are giving you cheat codes for life. Yes, yes. Cheat codes for life. You need to add that to your operational dictionary. In fact, I think I'll add it to mine. Please do. I will. And what I'd like to do... Um, We've talked about this, I know, briefly. I'd like to, I'm focusing in February. Uh, We have a new theme every month, and I wanted to focus on the youth because this is intergenerational, and I want them to know just how much I love them and how important they are. So the first time I'm going to do that is in February, and it's called Voices of Youth. And while your, your lights are here in December, perhaps they'll come in the studio and talk with me in their own words about their experience. Do you think they do that? You bet they will. I've already discussed it with them. Oh, this is wonderful. And they'll be so excited to do that. Because uh, a lot of people think of legacy uh, as uh, money, home, inheritance, that kind of thing. And I'm trying to walk into the space where legacy is also viewed as stories tradition, ideals, values, because we have to look back at what was, stay in the present, but plan for the future. And the only way we can do that effectively is to talk about it and share and build community. And that's what legacy is. It's us. It's not molecules. It's us. We're building a legacy right now. Yes, we are. And you know, Tyra, When we leave this earth, we only take our soul or character, as we call it. Yes, yes. And what we leave behind is that legacy that you're talking about. Yes. We leave lights. Yes. In character. Absolutely. And cheat codes. And cheat codes. Y'all know cheat codes now? That's a way to help you make it through the world successfully. I ask each of my guests to do something for me, and that is to think about and then write a letter to their, her, or his younger self. And I'm going to ask Sandra at this point in time to share her letter, if she will, with us now. Be happy to. Thanks for asking me to do this, Tyra. This was a good exercise we should all do. Dear younger Sandra, you are blessed with a multitude of talents but you should be patient in waiting for growth as a child of God, a woman, parent, friend, and leader, because there will be many turns in your life. Each turn will unfold life lessons to keep you on a path toward love, wisdom, and understanding. Although you will struggle in choosing motherhood versus career and in selection of a husband, God will open ways for those choices. Patience, work, forgiveness, and mindfulness will be some of the greater challenges in your life. In your mid-30s while working the Pentagon, you will be introduced to Max Ehrman's poem called Desiderata. His words offer you understanding and peace 
especially the stanza as quote, if you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. End of quote. Like most young adults, you will test values defined and espoused by your church, family, and institutions. Hang on while you test your values and remember those who traveled before you made some of the same mistakes. Pulling in opposite directions at one time after having two fabulous sons and a terrific husband, you will move back to basics, reconsidering the importance of faith in God, appreciation and love of family, and understanding that institutions function beyond textbook theory. Your husband will be key to teaching you to forgive. God will put a man in your life for his own reasons. Be appreciative and loving towards him. God will be your rock. A multitude of family members and friends and mentors can make your life very rich. Listen more. Thank them for all they do to guide you because they can be your touchstones for decisions and for sharing joy and sorrow. You may rely on them to be your personal board of directors. God intentionally blesses you with many friends on your earthly journey. Appreciate them with kindness and attend to their needs too. Friendship is a two-way street and you should pay forward mentorship. Your patience should take root as you mellow into your 50s with grown sons in a post-Air Force career and with major life and death challenges that help you reprioritize life choices. As a middle-aged person, you should stop behaving like an eager puppy. You should stop sniffing every little stop along the trail. You may begin to savor wider views on life's walk. Your faith in God will grow once you surrender to his ways. You will be hard to, this will be hard to understand until you go through family trials. But the trials may reveal a new you. It can represent a rebirth into an amazing life that you would not even imagine in your youth. This part of life can be a time of creative ways to give to others, to share gifts God has given you, and to make the world a better place. This results from mindfulness. Each day you should wake up feeling gratitude and giving praise to God for allowing you to be a part of his creation. Trust me, this will be a great adventure. With God, family, and friends, you are empowered to be. Be still and be present and allow yourself to be loved. With love and belief, your older self, Sandra G. Thank you, Sandra G. Um, yeah, that felt good. That felt really good. Uh, it's time for me to put into the spiritual doggy bag, but since we've been putting in all day, I think I'll just wrap it up with a ribbon today. Uh, some thoughts to take with you until we come back together again 
Uh, remember, you can reach me at Tyra at TyraGarlington.com. And since we've been talking about lights, I want to read a poem, The Light in the Heart by Roy Bennett. Don't just learn experience. Don't just read, absorb. Don't just change, transform. Don't just relate, advocate. Don't just promise, prove. Don't just criticize, encourage. Don't just think, ponder. Don't just take, give. Don't just see, feel. Don't just dream, do. Don't just hear, listen. Don't just talk, act. Don't just tell, show. Don't just exist, live. And now I'm going to have Mr. Tony Walker take us home with our theme song. I'm listening. Until next time, this is Tyra G. I'm here for you. Take good care and have a blessed week. Bye now.